Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. If you're a pastor and you're caring for others, do you have an opportunity for sabbatical? Do you have a date night with your spouse? Do you have people to engage with so that your identity doesn't become wrapped up in it? If you're a family member looking for those respite opportunities and it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to accept help and and being engaged in some way where your identity doesn't become consumed. Laura Howe is Pastor Paul's guest today. If you've ever been a caregiver, then Laura will have words of encouragement and comfort for you today. Welcome to the program, Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was a golden boy. All we can do right now is come together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. Hey, it's so good to have you on Life Support. And what we do on this program is a little bit different. We tell stories. And uh, some of the stories are difficult. We talk about trauma. We talk about how Jesus enters into trauma. And many times when we enter these difficult and dark parts of our lives, that's when Christ shows up. So we want to encourage you today, maybe give you some tools and help you understand more about different areas of this topic. And we have a very special guest, the founder of an organization called Hope Made Strong. Laura Howe is with us. Laura, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. So glad to be here. It is great to have you. And you're uh, coming to us from lovely... Toronto area, not in Toronto, but uh, that lovely part of the province of Ontario. And yes, uh, farmland. I live in farmland. So outside of Toronto, but nobody knows where I live. It's a small town called Woodstock, but I just tell people Toronto because it's more fun. A lot of people just perked up when they heard Woodstock. So, but that would be um, some a of our, uh, yes, a different one and probably our our older listeners, the younger ones right now are saying, who are these people and what are they talking about? Uh, But you do have a tremendous amount of expertise. And um, one of the topics that uh, we want to talk about today is uh, the area of caregiving, uh, how difficult that is, and uh, some of the things that come with it. Now, Laura, I just want you to know as we dive in that um, I was a caregiver for two years. Uh, My wife passed away um, and I know what it's like to have that weight on your shoulders. And I think one of the issues we have when someone is ill is that everyone naturally gravitates to the person, but that caregiver is kind of left to shoulder all of the load kind of by themselves. Tell me a little bit about how you got interested in this topic, first of all. Absolutely. Uh, For 15 years, I was a clinical social worker in the mental health and addictions area of of healthcare. And and I was trucking along in my career doing really, really well. And then about 10 years into it, the weight of hearing sadness and suffering and stories every day, all day became really heavy. And so I, at that point in time, started experiencing symptoms of compassion fatigue, but not really understanding what I was. I just knew that I was exhausted all the time, no matter how much sleep I could get. I, I was edgy and agitated at home. Of course, I put on a good face for work in the community, but at home, completely depleted, exhausted, started isolating. And we can talk more about all those, those symptoms of compassion fatigue, vicarious trauma and, and, and caregiver burnout. Um, but Uh, It wasn't until I really was impacted, my work was really 
impacted and how I cared for others was, was, um, was affected that I recognized how much I was struggling. And so I took some time off, became educated, got my caregiver, uh, compassion fatigue educator certificate, did more research, uh, did more training. And now I love to talk with other people who are either professional caregivers, ministry caregivers, or personal caregivers in understanding the impact and the weight that comes with that role and that function. Well, so Explain what exactly compassion fatigue is. Compassion fatigue is the emotional and physical exhaustion due to caregiving and caring for others without the opportunity to refuel. Uh, it impacts our ability to care for others. We we lose the compassion. We lose the empathy. It becomes eroded. And, and we also, the, the self-care or the ability to tend to our own needs also erodes because we're focused always on other people. And so it's these impacts of caregiving that is uh, related to the term compassion fatigue. Hmm. It, as Christians, we're taught to always be serving others mm-hmm. and to deny self and to die to self, um, all very good biblical principles. Absolutely. But uh, we're also to take care of ourselves, right? Where do you find that balance and how do you counsel people to try to, to step in that direction? Yeah. When we talk about, you know, we often take the great uh, commandment as superseding or trumping or overcoming the great, no, sorry, the great commission, overwhelming the great commandment. And, And both are really important. They don't negate each other. We need to go and reach and care and do, but also we need to have that rested in the context of the great commandment of love and loving ourselves is part of that as God's children we are um are precious and he wants the best for us we matter too and i think so often people there's there's a finite amount of love and compassion that God can have. And and if other people need it more than I, then mm-hmm. let's give them 80% and I only deserve or I only take 20%. But we know that God's love and ability is unending. There is no finite amount. So they could have 100% and you can have 100%. It's not an either or situation. And so I often encourage people to think that, you know, your your suffering, your struggle, although in maybe our worldly perspective or our day-to-day comparison, uh it it, it seems to be um heavier or more, or other people are in a worse off situation, but that does not negate your ability to tap into God's love and receive God's love and receive compassion and care for yourself as well. And so I really encourage people to, to look at that approach. Um, as well in Matthew eleven twenty eight is come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened. And I don't know a caregiver who doesn't feel weary and heavy and and God will give us a rest. God will, you know, find we'll find rest in him. But that first part is come to me who are weary. And so we need to recognize when we are weary. And I think that's an important first step. I want to talk to you a little bit later about how we can reach into the life of a, a caregiver. But from a caregiver's perspective, um, how do you um, overcome the isolation that 
arrives when you realize that, number one, you're going to be spending a lot of time taking care of someone. And number two, you're not going to be the one that people are going to be saying, hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, you know, I want the best for you. Hey, how's it going? How does a caregiver begin to deal with those realities? Mm, it's so good because it's true. We all feel that way, whether you're a pastor and and you're tending to a flock or, or a family member or or a clinician or a teacher who are caring for other people in your community. Everyone, the focus of the attention is on the other person. And and at times that you you want that, you don't want to distract from the need from of others. Um, but it in your heart, it, you can become a little bit, you know, resentful mm -hmm. of that. And and it's hard to admit that. It's hard to see that. It's hard to recognize that our short-tempered or exhaustion might be, re be related to that. Uh, but that's what it took in me to recognize oh, this is really impactful and I need to care for myself. And, and those, it's a hard reality. I know I went to therapy. <laughs> I had counseling to work through that because I think to do that in isolation is so hard. It's overwhelming. Are we a blinders on? We don't really see clearly. And so to have the help of another person, whether that's a friend, a family, or a counselor, I think it's really helpful to have other people surround you, even if it's just one person. And uh, I think that can be absolutely transformative for people. Many times with caregivers, that becomes their identity. Mm -hmm. So if the person they're caring for uh, dies, they're left thinking, well, who am I? What am I supposed to do now? How do I re-engage? Um, how do you counsel people to sort of go about this business but not totally wrap yourself around it to the point where this is how I define myself now? I talk about seven keys to resilience and we we don't have time to go through all of them, but one of the seven things is boundaries. and And Everyone just kind of takes a deep sigh and roll their eyes. Oh, boundaries. They're so hard and they're difficult and you, they feel cold and callous when we think about setting up boundaries for those who are in deep need and, and suffering and genuinely need care. Uh, and, and, but I think it's important to build resilience. That's why it's called the seven keys. This is a having boundaries is one of the keys to help you not get stuck and help you bounce forward and, and prevent you from, um, being consumed by the work of caregiving. And boundaries doesn't mean you always have to say no, or there's very rigid boundaries are like fences around your yard. There's gates. You can, people can come and go. There's, there's opportunities for people to enter and, and go. But I do think it's important that there is aspects of boundaries where there's respite available. So if you're a pastor and you're caring for others, do you have an opportunity for sabbatical? Do you have a date night with your spouse? Do you have people to engage with so that your identity doesn't become wrapped up in it. If you're a family member looking for those respite opportunities and it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to accept help and, and being engaged in some way where your identity doesn't become consumed. Paul will return with Laura Howe in just a moment. This is Steve Johnson from Five Stone Media, creators of life support resources, free digital resources for the body of Christ 
so that we can all learn how to come alongside each other. Included in the resources is a new small group study called Caring for Mental Health. For more information on this and other resources, log on to lifesupportresources.org. That's lifesupportresources.org. And now back to Pastor Paul. And these are all preventative issue, you know, things. And, and it's way easier said than done. I'm saying this very quickly and and not meant to say it flippantly, but for those who are in the throes of this, it might sound like that. And, and that is not my intention, but what I'm saying is when you are already completely saturated with this compassion fatigue, you require refueling to prevent compassion fatigue, creating boundaries or opportunities where you can refuel and you can regenerate. Um, even though it is absolutely exhausting, it might be moments, it might be hours, it might be a day or maybe a couple days. I don't know what it is, but having those opportunities to refuel and regenerate really is a preventative strategy. And then if you are already in the throes of it, then I encourage people to seek those additional support external supports, whether it's a friend or a clinician, maybe it's a book or an online course. We can talk about resources later, but you know, definitely seeking outside support. That's good. Laura Howe is my guest from Hope Made Strong. Um, And hey, pastors, the great thing now is you can get help from a clinician from your office on Zoom. And uh, you don't have to worry about somebody in your congregation dropping into the waiting room with you. Um, and, and to you church board members, um, ask your pastor how he or she is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you doing emotionally? How are you doing physically? Are you? Is there anything that you're grappling with? Because pastors, I think, are so um, wired to want to give. They feel required to give. And it's very hard to disconnect from that because every time you do, there's someone wagging their finger at you saying, why aren't you, you know, dot, dot, dot. Oh, you're playing golf on a Thursday afternoon. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, right. (laughs) But really, that's coming from a place. That's what I call the must be nice syndrome. If someone's saying, oh, wouldn't that be nice, whether they're saying it out loud or in their head, that's really a red flag identifying that they themselves don't have sufficient time to refuel in their life. And so that's a great opportunity to bring that conversation up. Yeah. And there's also, I think, uh, an element of, of guilt and expectation. Um, now, I've been doing this a long time, but when I run into pastors who are very much involved with pastoral care, that do a lot of hospital visitations, that you know are very, um, you know, the, the ones that stay up all night with people in the hospital, and I don't because I kind of delegated that out. I think, well, I'm not a real pastor. They're the real ones, right? Because that's what a pastor is supposed to do. But if one person tries to do all of that, you get, everyone's going to suffer, right? Absolutely. That is a huge weight on one person's shoulders. And, and for those who are listening, who are, you know, are a one staff church or, you know, don't have the opportunity to delegate, then definitely having those opportunities to debrief with someone. So even though you're doing the function, maybe alone, you're not holding the weight alone. And I think that is really important that, you know, I love that 
you know, you have a team or a group of people who are able to do that and, and then able to create opportunities for debriefing so they can, it's almost like you're carrying around a backpack full of the cares and the suffering of others. And when you debrief and connect with someone else, it's like emptying out the backpack. The weight just becomes less. We do that every day with our spouses. Oftentimes, how was your day? We debrief with them and we unpack it. So we're not carrying it away around with us. And so that is a really great way as caregivers to um, not hold the weight on is isolating. And, and there's a way to do that with confidentiality and, and, and not to slime people with all the trauma of the day. We don't want to pass on the trauma and pass the weight. We just want to unload it. And a low impact debriefing is a great strategy to be able to do that. That's good. And you rightly earlier identified Jesus as um, one of the huge elements in all of this. And isn't there um, a trust factor in the power of God to make up for what you can't give? In other words, if you feel like you're the only person that can offer this person what they need, um, it seems to me that there's a trust issue maybe because God, frankly, has all the resources that this person needs at his disposal, right? Yes, absolutely. I totally agree. And and funny enough, research is showing that the first signs of compassion fatigue are people who dive in deeper with people. You would think if someone is exhausted and fatigued that they would push away, but that's not what it's showing is that if you are starting to cross that line of, of healthy care and support to maybe compassion fatigue or fatigued or unhealthy support, what that line is, is when you dive deeper and you have an over- um, over-exaggerated uh, sense of, of need or, or that, you know, God put me in their life. I'm the only one, or I have what that person needs. And, and, and you start to see things like people are missing lunch. They're staying late. They're taking phone calls really late. Late they they, they lose all sense of, um, boundaries and, and, and personal well-being is because they have an over-exaggerated sense of, of need and responsibility for these people. And, and I agree with you. That's not what God intended for us. God intended us for us to rely on him and, and be strong in him and what, and, and, you know, his, um, what does the scripture say? Like he will be made perfect in our weakness. Yeah. Yeah, the Bible's big on weakness, and the Bible likes weakness because that's when God can show His glory. Yeah, we don't tend to like it. So no, much. <laughs> no, we don't like we don't like it um, at all. I wish sometimes that we could, from thirty thousand feet, see the matrix of people that God has involved with everyone. You know, sometimes when we're when we're sharing the gospel with someone, we think, oh, if I don't. If I don't keep doing that, this person's never going to find Christ. Or if I don't help them, they're going to, you know, they're they're going to emotionally, you know, um, suffer. And really, God's got a matrix of people everywhere, in their sphere of influence, probably that are pouring into them as well. It's not it's not your responsibility to bring about results. Mm-mm. You know, to obey, yes. To to bring about the proper result, that's God's thing. Absolutely, yeah, it's so good. Because there's too much pressure to try to do it yourself. And you're right. That's not what God intended. And, uh, you know, even Jesus, um, the, the savior of the world, um, his disciples would kind of look around, where's Jesus? Like, 
Why isn't he here doing what he's supposed to be doing? You know, like we're probably here cooking breakfast. Well, he's off praying. Praying. Jesus, yes. Jesus had to get away. Jesus had to, like you said, he had to download. He had to empty his backpack with his father. And it, and if if he needs to do that, my goodness sakes, we can give ourselves permission to do Absolutely. That. Yeah, and we think of um, now... I, I'm not a theologian, so please correct me or you, you have more experience in this, but there's stories of Jesus going in and healing the leper and healing people. And I am sure that there were many others, but uh, who needed healing, but um, I forget what book and chapter it is, but he went and healed someone and said, go to the, to the temple and um, present yourself. And, and he, he came and healed that individual. I'm sure there were many others. And then he left to pray right after that. And, and, and so I think it's one of those situations where we think we have to be responsible for everyone when really Jesus didn't heal everyone. He went for a specific and he healed some and he, and he, you know, provide care and support for others. And he, refueled through prayer. And I think we tend as caregivers to have to be all things to all people. And that's just not our job. Yeah. When he walked into the pool of Bethesda and there was uh, probably hundreds and hundreds of people that were waiting for that water to be stirred up. He came in there. He had his eye on one guy, heals him, and he's out. And, and if you've ever if you've ever visited that spot, it's a massive complex of um, it must have been a, so many people, and and it would have been easy to look at that and say, well, how how cruel, like mm-hmm. why didn't you stay? And you know, Jesus had I don't want to speak for Jesus. If I do that, I usually get in trouble. Um, but your point's well taken. You know, I think what we're trying to say is, don't put all this on you. Yeah. Let it let some of it go because. You've got to take care of you as well. Mm-hmm. And that's really what it comes down to, right? Yeah, absolutely. And but as Christians we're not we're not very good at that because that speaks of selfishness, that speaks of um I should be doing more for God. Um there's probably some element in there I, I wanna I wanna please God because mm-hmm. I'm afraid that God will be disappointed in me. And you know, we have to rummage through all those um ideas and emotions as Christians to try to free ourselves. Do you see that as a struggle for a lot of people? Oh, absolutely. It's a struggle for me. It's a struggle for everyone, I think, where, you know, you wear a badge of honor of what you can accomplish. I'm a bit of a task-oriented person. So that checklist, if it's not crossed off every day, it's not completed, then what does that say about me? What is that my worthiness or my value? And and we and we apply value or worthiness or job well done or to what we accomplish. And that's pride. And it's hard to admit that and, 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 but learning how to listen and obey and then do no more. And, and, and part of, you know, it's sometimes God's going to tell you the Holy Spirit's going to lead you to care for others. And then other times he's going to say, tend and go pray, refuel, rest. And so I think it's that learning that obedience and I'm, and I'm in that as well as a human being, we're all in that learning how to walk in obedience to the leading of the Holy spirit and listening to God and, and how to care for others, but also how to care for ourselves. And one thing I want to talk to you when we have you back um, about is when people are reaching in, trying to help a caregiver, um, don't be prescriptive. Don't, don't tell them what they need to do. 
And we can dig into that more next time, but that can be so destructive when, when everybody has their idea of how to fix a person. They don't need fixing. They just need you to pray for them and, and love them because it can be very hard. All right, Hope Made Strong. Um, tell me about that and how to access the resources and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. Hope Made Strong is an organization where we uh, support churches and come alongside ministry leaders as they care for others. We have online courses, one actually specifically for pastors or ministry leaders to overcome compassion fatigue, as well as online courses about how to care for others. Uh, There's consulting, there's training, there's cohorts, there's lots of things on there and would love to connect with you at hopemadestrong.org. Okay. It's been really good to get to know you. Thank you so much for what you're doing. I love the lane you're in, and it's really an important one. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. You know, um, we've been talking a lot about um, carrying the weight of suffering and so forth. And in Hebrews 10.23, the Bible says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And so as you go about your life and you're going to come into situations where you're going to have friends or family that need help. You're going to want to help them. But remember that Jesus loves them uh, deeply and is involved with their life. So you don't have to do all of that. You can trust the Lord. Uh, He is a God of compassion. And just be encouraged by that today. I want to thank all of our partners that make life support possible. Faith Radio has given us this platform at myfaithradio.com. Uh, Five Stone Media offers a video version of this podcast at fivestonemedia.com. And you can check us out here at Ridgewood Church as well at myrwc.org. And we'll catch you next time right here on Life Support. listening to this life support podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at myfaithradio.com. To avoid missing future editions of life support, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of life support.